If you have a Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're doing things a little bit differently. Considering different types of Christmas. Now, there are lots of different ways of approaching Christmas. Lots of different preferences about how to do things. I was considering this a little bit this week. So we're going to, have a, we're going to kick off with a survey, uh, which could be by raising of hands or general yell of appreciation. Um, how do you approach Christmas around some particular important decisions? Okay, I'll give you an example. Christmas tree, do you go real or do you go artificial? Can I see some hands for real? Okay, you're welcome. And uh, can I see some hands for artificial? Yeah, oh, okay, we kind of got a, an even split this congregation. If, like me, you can kind of, uh, on Boxing Day, there's still that puzzle of, hang on, it was an artificial tree, but why are there still needles on the floor <laughs> to, to hoover up? Oh, well, that's another option. I'm only going to give you an either or, so I guess you're just going to have to find a preference. Okay, second one Christmas dinner. Do you go turkey or something else? Anything but turkey. Okay, I'm not betraying my own view here. You might want to just take a note of what tomorrow's chef uh, does when it comes to raising a hand. Can I see some hands for turkey? Okay, I think you've got, you've got the vote. Uh, can, I, can I see some hands for anything else but turkey? Two hands over there, Ivan. Fantastic. Okay, hit, what, hit, hit us. What are, what are your preferences? What are your choices? Beef. Ham. Ivan, were you going for two different options? Oh, okay, I, I like your thinking there. Yeah. Uh, another lamb. Yeah, anybody else? Okay, pizza, curry. Um, Okay, Christmas afternoon. Now, I know there's not just two things that you can do on Christmas afternoon, but work with me here, people. Christmas afternoon, of the following, which would you go for? The afternoon walk, or, okay, I know what you're going, or the afternoon nap. Can I hear it for afternoon walk? Oh, there's a lot of walkers. What about the afternoon nap? All the chefs in the house. Okay, we got, okay, last one, last one. Uh, Christmas film, snuggling down in the evening, front of the box. Now, I'm going to give you a choice of two films. I know there are more. But which way would you go? Love, actually. Okay, or, or, die hard. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Hands for love, actually, or a romantic comedy of your choice. Okay, and hands for Die Hard or an action film of your choice. Marvellous. So, as demonstrated in this room, there are different ways of approaching Christmas. Not right or wrong, it's just different. You're free to change your traditions, but sometimes we just find that we err in a certain direction. According to a website I visited recently, uh, apparently there are four kinds of Christmas. Ah. You can check this out for yourself by going to a very imaginatively entitled website, fourkindsofchristmas.com. Okay? You can even take another quiz there and look at some other videos 
to kind of work out your personal profile or, or which Christmas, which kind of Christmas uh, most matches your own uh, approach. But for the purposes of this morning, and with the help of Isaiah 9, we are going to consider them ourselves. You see, uh, 700 years before Jesus was born, uh, Isaiah wrote words that are often quoted this time of year from Isaiah 9, verse 2 onwards. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And it goes on. The people uh, living in the land of shadows, uh, a light, a great light has dawned. So Christmas has something to do with darkness and light. So how do we relate to Christmas? How do we approach the light and the dark? We're going to look at uh, four different options. Uh, But first of all, before the big reveal, I need a volunteer to discover what is in... Yes, please. um, What is in bag number one? This is a clue. Okay? It can be more than one. There's quite a few. Ben, would you like to come? Would anybody else like to come? To be be honest, I'd hold out for bag two or three. But you can go with bag one if you like. (laughs) Let's discover what's in bag number one. Lift it up for everybody to see. (laughs) Oh, oh, can you see people? The humbug. Would anyone like a humbug? We're going to the back. Whoa. Overarm throwing. <laughs> Gentle underarm coming to the sound desk. Hey, well done, mate. Anybody else? Woo! Woo! There are other bags. So, humbugs. What could humbugs possibly have to do with Christmas? Scroo- Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Here he is, folks. Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, fictional character from the Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol. In some respects, Scrooge gets a little bit of a hard rap because actually in that story, he encounters a wonderful transformation. By the end of the novel, he has a completely different outlook on Christmas. However, we tend to remember him as where he starts the story, and that's as the ultimate Christmas grump. Uh, And why is... That, well, we, we know his, his catchphrase is, bah, humbug, and apparently he says things like this. Hold your ears, folks. Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He, <laughs> perhaps a bit hard. You see, what Scrooge has done is he has made his home in the darkness. He knows that there are people walking in darkness. We're all walking in darkness. And he holds out no hope for the light. All he sees is darkness. And he's kind of made his home there. Now, if you've watched Blue Planet 2, or the equally informative and educationally valuable Octonauts, you will know (laughs) that there are certain animals, creatures, fish, I suppose, actually, uh, in the sea, who are completely adapted to live in the very darkest, deepest part of the ocean. Do you know what zone that is? 
almost, it's called the Midnight, oh, thank you, thank you, well done. Is that Octonauts or Blue Planet? <laughs> the Midnight Zone, where no light penetrates, or next to no light penetrates. And there are some really strange creatures down there, and they're completely adapted to the darkness. If you like, Scrooge is a little bit like that. He likes the dark, he stays in the dark, the dark is cheap, and there's, uh, he has no expectation of light breaking through, and it's certainly not going to break through, uh, through him. If he were to have a motto, if, if we were to have a motto, motto in our slightly Scrooge-like moments, it would be, well, darkness is all around, get used to it. The light isn't there. He knows about darkness in life. Actually, actually to some extent, we all do. We all know what it is to be a people walking in darkness, living in a world of shadows. There are things that happen that are dark, that we didn't choose. That could be ill health, it could be unemployment, it could be having lost somebody close to us. And in some respect, therefore, in a limited way, there's something that Scrooge understands. Christmas can be hard. It's not always jolly for all of us all the time. And it can remind us of things that are painful and problems. It can bring those uh, to the surface because we're all the people who know something of what it is to live in a world of darkness. And if we are honest, we know that the darkness is not just out there in the world, in life, and in other people. There are times when we come to realize that the darkness is in here as well. Uh, when, like Scrooge, we might respond uh, to things by being a bit hard ourselves, being a little bit selfish or a bit unkind. But surely we're not supposed to approach Christmas like Scrooge. Surely there must be something more. There must be a, a genuine reason to be joyful. Would anybody like to discover I'm going to anticipate more hands this time. Uh, discover what is in bag two. You come on up, Gareth. Would you like to find... You can take a few and lift them up so everybody can see. Chocolate money, people. Chocolate money. Would anybody... Oh, oh, I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Oh, I see that head. We're going to the back. Don't you worry, Ingrid. Here it comes. Any over this? Go on. Everything must go, people. I'll save those ones back for the end. It's okay. Got a third meeting to go and everything. Anyway, chocolate money. What could that possibly have to do with Christmas? Shopping. There we go. Spending money. This is the second kind of Christmas. That's described by the Christmas, or lived by, the Christmas shopper. See, the Christmas shopper comes to our Scrooge and says, don't be so gloomy. Let's have fun. Let's celebrate. The Christmas shopper can sometimes delight in lots of Christmas things. Christmas jumpers weren't so popular a few years ago. Now you have to be seen in one. Uh, tinsel and all the trimmings, loads of presents, because Christmas gives a wonderful opportunity to have fun. And so the shopper's motto could be, spend big, 
make merry, throw a party. Now, the shopper has got something right. They've understood something that Scrooge has overlooked, at least at the beginning of the Christmas carol. We're not supposed to be swallowed up in gloom. We are designed to know true joy, to rejoice and to celebrate, to be together, to be part of a community that's doing that as well. So perfectly appropriate to throw a party. But perhaps in one way, the Christmas shopper, the person for whom Christmas is all about the shopping and the presents, they're not so different from the Scrooge. Spend big, make merry, throw a party. We might experience this little sliver of light, but quick, because the darkness is coming back. We'll have 11 months of darkness where we are paying for our overeating and overspending because we overdid it. And so in some ways, the shopper and Scrooge are the same. They both believe that in the end, darkness wins. Darkness overcomes. The darkness is greater. They just have a different way of coping with it. Scrooge embraces the darkness and doesn't spend anything. The shopper has a party uh, in order to try and briefly just push away that darkness into a few weeks into January uh, when reality bites. If we're honest, this is how some of us can handle Christmas. Eat, drink and max out the credit cards because we're going to go back to life in the shadows before long. So let's make the most of this brief little moment of light in the here and now. So it turns out the Christmas shopper doesn't actually believe in a greater light to come. So again we might say surely there is more to Christmas than kind of whistling in the dark. Surely there's something more for us to enjoy and look forward to. Cue bag three. Who would like to discover what is in bag three? Grown up or child? Come on in, come on out. You better come quick because there aren't as many of these to throw out into the crowd, I'll be honest with you. Lift it up high for everyone to see. Who is it? What is it? Chocolate Santa. Now there are a couple guys there. Would anybody else like a chocolate Santa? Who likes a chocolate Santa? Gemma, would you like a chocolate Santa? There you go, sweetheart. Two more? Two more. Go on, Kathleen. Okay, we'll, oh, we'll save the, the lot. Okay, so this time we have our third kind of Christmas, and it is all to do with Santa. I, I try to pick the friendliest, non-creepiest version. There he is, <laughs> nice and smiley. And so for some, Christmas is all about Santa, totally focused on the festivities, totally focused on the magic. And so for Christmas, Santas, they're great believers in the light. Don't see any darkness at all. And perhaps here is the motto for the Christmas Santas amongst us. Forget the darkness. All is light. Or in the words of the man himself. Oh, 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 it's Christmas. Ah, that's right, yeah. I could have put the, uh, <laughs> gone for the bigger beard. But, uh, so what this kind of Christmas gets right is that it is all to do with a very special, unique person 
who makes all the difference. And like Isaiah, they believe that the light is a person. Because he would go on to say, a light has dawned for uh, unto us a child is born, a son is given. It's all to do with a significant person. But is Santa the light of the world? Spoiler alert, no. Um, As nice and merry as he is, I think there are a few things that don't quite stack up, where our hopes and dreams can be slightly disappointed. Have you ever wondered, for example, is he he really generous? Is he giving gifts or is he giving something else? Is Is he giving gifts or is he giving rewards? According to the song, Santa is coming to town. What is he doing? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Next verse. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. So it turns out he's not giving gifts, perhaps, but Christmas bonuses for the well-behaved. And I wonder if anyone has experienced the ultimate threat of no presence in the stocking because they've been naughty and have literally received a piece of coal. Ouch. Who knows? So just a, just a question we might ponder. We might also ponder the question, is he, is he really fair? Growing up uh, in my family as uh, one of four, it was remarkable. Every Christmas morning, we would all get together to open our Christmas stockings. And would you believe, within our household, Santa had been kind of meticulous in planning uh, stocking fillers that were fair and kind of equally divided amongst all of our brothers, my brothers and sisters. Um, So we all received remarkably similar things. It was brilliant. No complaints whatsoever. Happy day. And I'd go back to school and discover that when Santa had been round the corner to another family, it wasn't quite so fair. It would appear. Do you know what? I have discovered that sometimes, and now I should have tested this myself, but anyway, sometimes Father Christmas didn't just fill up a modest stocking, but in some households, it was a Christmas pillowcase. Oh, and so I discovered that sometimes the kids who had slightly more well-off parents got more. And then I was delighted with the presents that I had, but after that, the shine was taken off my new toothbrush, (laughs) set of post-it notes and a satsuma, because someone's got a Game Boy. Anyway, so just sometimes we have these little questions in our mind, don't we? And then is he really caring? What is he doing for the rest of the year? Well, other than checking his list. Where is he in the crisis? And what sort of guest would he make? Do we even, would we even want him to be there for the day? You know, when something doesn't go quite right, the, you know, it's on Christmas Day that the dishwasher has decided to pack it, pack him. So frantically, the search for a willing washer-upper comes. Father Christmas, uh, the dishwasher has broken 
perhaps before your next visit, do you have time? Oh, oh, oh. Merry Christmas. Yeah, but the dishes, Santa, the dishes, they're, they're grubby, all the pans. Oh, 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 Merry Christmas. And on it goes, no, there's an issue here. Ah, oh, and that's the time he realizes he's got to go because there are other people who need their pillowcases filling. So perhaps, perhaps actually some may have the same sort of questions or doubts or the way of thinking about God himself can be thought of in just those magical and mysterious ways that there's a God out there somewhere who probably has a beard and lives far far away and basically is uninterested in our lives unless we're nice but even then will only turn up very fleetingly to pay the briefest of visits so much that unless we spotted the crumbs of mince pie, we might not have even realized he was there at all. But he's left a few presents behind. We're wonderful, but then we don't see him um, again. Are they gifts? Are they rewards for good behavior? Who knows? And, and then life isn't always that merry. So does believing in God just require us to pretend that all is well and there is no darkness at all? Is that what it, is that what it means uh, to celebrate Christmas? Is that what it means to follow God. Surely not. Surely there must be more to Christmas than just pretending. Fourth kind of Christmas. Time has come for bag number four. Would anybody like to come and find out what's in bag number four? Maybe I've blown the surprise. That'll, go on then. Come on, Kieran. Come on down. Would you reveal for us what is in... Oh! Uh. Or maybe both of you, hey? Both of you. Would you like to come and reveal what's in the Christmas bag? Oh. Would you like to hold that up so everybody can see? Would you like some hay? What do you think the hay might be about? Sorry, people. Gone down low. Gone down low. Hey. Ingrid, come with me for a minute. Would you like one of those as well? Not sure, because they're the humbugs, aren't they? You could have, definitely have one of those. Would you like one of those again? And would you like another one of those? Okay, you can leave the hay with me. Wonderful. Well, let's give her a round of applause, folks. Lovely. Now, the, the, the hay's up for grabs, but I'm not sensing I've got any takers. people. What could this possibly mean? Come on, Gareth. A manger and a stable. Kind of both. You've got it bang on. Here we approach the manger. And in a sense, when we visit the stable, we realize we get the best of the previous kinds of Christmas. So it's perfectly appropriate to offer the other bags, you see. Why is that? Well, when we approach the stable, we see that the Christmas story, first of all, it does actually begin with darkness. It can recognize darkness in the world. The story begins with Joseph poised to break up with Mary. And when they arrive in Bethlehem, they have nowhere to stay uh, but a cattle shed 
they are dirt poor. And so when Mary gave birth to her first son, she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. The Christmas story starts with darkness. There are shepherds out on the hills, cold, huddled together in the dark. Light comes because the angels arrive. And not only that, the whole story is kind of overshadowed by a few nasty kings throwing their weight around. Everything is not light and joy and wonderful and perfect and magic. When we visit the stable, we realize that we don't have to pretend that all is well. We can acknowledge the real darkness that we may have even experienced ourselves, but we don't have to live like Scrooge. There is more because there is something ultimate to look forward to and there is something that is stronger and breaks into the darkness. The light comes and Joseph encounters an angel and he commits to Mary. The light comes and whilst they might be in a manger with nothing at all, later on suddenly there are three uh, wise men, wise kings uh, coming with their amazing uh, gifts and other angelic visits to the shepherds and to, the, uh, and to Mary and Joseph, getting them to safety and keeping them in the light. So the story begins with darkness, but the st- in the story also a great light does dawn and there is something more wonderful to celebrate. God's light coming into the darkness. There is a real reason to celebrate and to rejoice. Isaiah understood this in Isaiah 9 verse 3. He said, you have given them great joy, Lord. You've made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done. As people rejoice when they harvest grain or when they divide captured wealth. So Christmas is not just this fleeting moment of whistling in the dark, trying to celebrate a tiny moment of joy when we get back into the darkness and darkness wins. Now there's a greater light that has broken in that has dawned and is pointing us forward to a party in heaven which will be better than the combined total of every kind of possible party uh, on the earth. True light, winning. And all because when we visit the stable, we see that this light is a person, uh, a unique and special person who makes all the difference. Because there... In the stable, as Gareth reminded us, there is a manger. And there in the manger is a baby. And the baby is God. So uh, Isaiah goes on to say, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. He will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He is God's solution to the darkness. The darkness that's in the world and the darkness that is in me. He is God's answer to all the brokenness that we may encounter. The one and only God who created the light in the first place stepped down into our darkness. And it wasn't just to pay a fleeting visit, throw out some presents and disappear faster than we could notice that he'd even turned up. He came to be with us and to be one of us, to be born in the stable and to live in a messed up world and then later to die a cruel death so that by faith we might receive the gift of new and eternal life. 
Jesus himself comes into our land of shadows and says, I know your darkness. Let me be your light. He comes to us where we are, offering to remove our sin completely, to lead us into a brand new life. And by doing that, God the Son introduces us into relationship with God the Father. He really is generous. He really is just. And he really does care. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we know God in us, God with us, and that we know the hope of glory. That he is what we are celebrating. He is the gift. So which is your kind of Christmas? Which is our kind of Christmas? We may, in our natural selves, err in one direction uh, or the other. It's not wrong to acknowledge there's sometimes darkness in circumstances around us. It's certainly not wrong to throw a party uh, and it's not wrong to focus on a special uh, person. But it's that fourth kind of Christmas the one that's focused, it's one that's uh, dominated by the, the lowly, slightly mucky stable, that's where we find the light. That's where we find the joy. That's where we find the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace.